Coming up, a whole show about John Candy, the comedic icon who managed to make everything he was in that much better, even if the thing he was in was not good at all. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Well, hello, listener, and welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Do you want some candy? Some John candy? Because this is the show for you. You've come to the right spot. We're going to look back at his uh, career from the early days in the 70s with Second City and onto SCTV into his film work through the 80s where he managed some very iconic roles in some very iconic movies. And then we're also going to talk about some of the duds that, uh, well, didn't serve his career but didn't apparently hurt it. The odd thing about John Candy, comedic icon, actor extraordinaire, he was good in everything he did, regardless of whether or not what he was in was a turd. He just had that magical quality. Character actor, lead actor, weird actor, didn't matter. John Candy was the shiz. And so we're going to kind of take a look back at that, because uh, after his untimely demise in 1994, we feel that uh, we missed out on a lot of other solid roles that could have become even more iconic. I mean, who knows what could have happened? Uh, certainly not us. So, yeah, take a gander with us at the career of John Candy. Uh, have an orange whip. Just sit back and relax while we let it flow. If you like what you hear, send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Uh, we accept criticisms, praises, uh, suggestions, whatever. Just send us an email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Facebook. Uh, oh, Instagram. But anyway, find us on the socials, like our pages, share them around, leave us comments, give us hearts, give us thumbs up. We love that stuff. And uh, thank you in advance for that. Uh, lastly, you can head on over to wherever the show is found, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc., etc. And uh, also, give us five stars, give us a good rating, leave us a review. Hell, uh, what do you got to lose? So uh, yeah, do that. And then lastly, head on over to our website, maghuge.com where we have all the shows, the links, the fun, etc., etc., etc. So, without further ado, we'll get on with the show. We hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. And we're back. How's everybody? We are. How are we? The introductions first off, uh, roll call. This is Chris. This is Eric. Oh. And this is Brian. Wow, that's... Shaboom, shush, shush, shaboom, roll call. Oh. <laughs> It's like yeah. the a land speed record. I think it's the first time we remembered to do the roll call at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello and welcome to hello our thing. Uh, what y'all been up to? What's been going on? What's happening? What's the 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 deal? I've been Work. working. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, yeah. oh, me too. And and moving into a new house. We're gonna get a new house. Uh, didn't go with the 118 year old, you know, oh my Christ, this isn't for real, is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ended up with a uh, um, a normal, like, built in the late 60s house, and it's got a okay. basement. It's He's very said, weird. I, I nice. saw your wife's post, you have two backyards. Kinda, yeah. Kinda, so yeah. How, first of all, how are both of them the backyard? 
Well, they're connected and there's a backyard and then there's a how how best to put it. It's more like, you know, how some uh, uh, some some Siamese twins, they don't have two heads next to each other. They have like a head on top of the other head. This is like that. It's like there's a yard yard. on top of a yard. It's a a backup backyard. More of a growth than a yard. Are you able to to afford gardeners or or Uh, anything of the sort? Yeah, well, no. And I'm pretty sure that's going to, you know, become a thing. Like like right now I'm hearing all the you won't have to worry about it, which always leads to, hey, you need to go worry about that. So, Yeah, just start worrying now. That's the the joy of ownership. Yeah, I just, nah. I just, yeah, roll my eyes. That's all. So I when do. the podcast comes to an abrupt end, it will be because of Eric's heart attack in one of his backyards. <laughs> oh God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, the sooner oh we're rid of him on this thing, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> just, just this, this, the peace, the tranquility that'll. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right then. Uh so well, I have have found uh, what I think is going to probably be my new favorite uh, uh, filmmaker, Craig Zoller. Do you know this name? Is, Vaguely. is this part of your fresh shit, Eric? This shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Oh well, would that be the intro to the fresh shit? I think that, it yeah, might be. I think this is yeah. uh, the portion of the show where we talk about other stuff that's not the show. Yeah, you don't have to lead into it anymore. Brian already said it. Damn it. I'm yeah. so redundant. What? So who is Craig Zoller? And well, Craig Zoller, uh, he made a film uh, that I talked about a few months ago called uh, Rumble and Cell Block B. Oh, sure. The Vince and, Vaughn? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And and yeah, I remember just, just watching that going, where did this come from? Oh, my God. It's, it's like uh, um, quality Tarantino. You know, it's like, like, it isn't self-important to say Tarantino Hi. was, was good and also schlocky. Yeah. It's schlock okay. that, that doesn't say, isn't this great? Isn't this smart? Isn't this hip? And you know, like that, that kind of annoying kind of, you're watching a Quentin Tarantino film, so you have to like it kind of vibe. Well, okay. he, he made this other film, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, which, the Kurt Russell, like. Slash and burn Western violent thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like it's it's supposed to be a Western, but it turns out it's a horror film. Okay. And I watched that and I was like, ooh, oh, okay, I see a line being drawn here between these two points. Very violent and very good. Well, he had a film come out in May that I didn't know about that I am going to watch this week. I have not watched it, so it's not exactly fresh shit. Uh that's why I didn't it's wait for the fresh it, shit. It's pre-fresh. Pre-fresh. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I like that. New intro? I don't know. Uh but it's <laughs> <No>. called uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, dragged across concrete, which is uh What's Mel that about? Gibson. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, two dirty cops who rob bank robbers. And somehow I'm sitting here thinking that the the movie Eric wants to see is just Mel Gibson being dragged across concrete. Yeah. No, no, but just anybody doing really violent crap to people well, because all apparently I can, that's what this guy does. All I can think of is more power to anybody that still works with Mel Gibson in this day and age. So yeah, bravo. <laughs> yeah, it's and this guy makes films with lots of unlikable characters, and so I'm thinking. He's probably and unlikable just actors, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. 
Yeah. I wonder and, if anybody and, really does get dragged across concrete in that movie. Oh, I you'll have to. Have to. You'll have to let you? us know. You'll have. I yeah. mean, is it metaphorical or are they physically dragged across concrete? That's what I need to know. So, I think it's probably like that Last Man Standing movie where <laughs> it was like all about everybody trying to kill each other. But there was that one scene in the middle where where Bruce Willis was uh, uh, standing and he was the last one there and he was a man. <laughs> was, I remember we saw that in the theater and it, we're laughing through the whole thing because it's so self-serious, ridiculous Walter Hill. <laughs> and then it's like the standoff, the two gangs on either side of this desert plane in their cars. And then at some point they all just leave and there's Bruce Willis just in the middle. And I think I turned to you and I said, whoa, he really is the last man standing. And then you just <laughs> lost your shit in the theater and everybody was really pissed. <laughs> I think I think for a week afterwards, any time we said anything, we had to follow it with down 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 down. My cooter guitar down 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 down. We're, we're very every Walter Hill film. We're very literal film goers. Yeah, but continue. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. I'm going to see a movie. Okay. So this week on the Magnificently Huge podcast, things we're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look into the future. <laughs> this is like uh, like Eric's minority report portion of the podcast. Yeah, basically, I didn't do anything this week, so um, here's what I will eventually do. In I also, the future! But for what it's worth, I also bought a house. So, you know. Yeah, you've been busy. And You're forgiven. Yeah. And sold Being one. Busy. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yay. Uh, I wish right, you well, about- sir. What Me about too. you, Chris? What's your fresh shit? <laughs> Uh, well, I've only got a couple, but let me just start by saying that I just recently stumbled upon uh, the musical artist Lizzo, just randomly, and apparently... Oh, is went, this an MTV musical? No, I like, totally randomly found her like three weeks ago, and I've been listening to her constantly, and then she showed up on the VMAs. I'm like, I had no idea she was that popular. Lizzo. Lizzo. And her album <laughs> is called Cause I Love You, and I've been streaming this on Spotify at work. Relentlessly. Been in love before What the fuck are fucking feelings, yo Once upon a time I was a hoe I don't even want a hoe no more Like the last three weeks uh, It's my new favorite album of the year And it's just really? fun I can't explain it It's just it's a fun album that makes me happy when I listen to it And she's I guess now I have to listen to Lizzo yeah, I haven't so far It's good uh, Her song Juice is what got me hooked Because there's like uh, Hulu commercials uh, That show annoyingly in the middle of programs that you try to watch on the the basic Kulu package. But one of them's for vodka, I think Stoli or something. But they got her in there and she's doing her song Juice, which has got a really hooky chorus. I turn to my wife, I'm like, who the fuck is this supposed to be? Should I know this person? She's like, that's Lizzo. And I said, well, who, who is Lizzo? And then she gave me the lowdown, and then we pulled up some YouTube stuff, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. And then the next thing I know, I'm like mainlining it at work. So uh, 
Check it out if you can. It's fun. She's got... Uh, and she was produced by uh, uh, Snoop Dogg, and so her, her real name is Elizabeth, but after him it was Lizow. That's <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> uh, but heavy Missy Elliott vibe, who is also on one of the tracks on this new album called Tempo. Uh, very misdemeanor Elliott. Uh, nice. And then I guess that once she had briefly, before Prince died, had done a stint at Paisley Park working with him, so there's a, a little bit of a Prince vibe on some songs. Really? Uh, so very well produced. Okay. She's got a great voice, but she's also very fun. So Lizzo, uh, this is a, a middle-aged white man telling you to go listen to this because it's <laughs> really good. Uh, so that's my musical pick for the week. Uh, and the only other thing we've been doing, and this is in your honor, Brian, finally pulled the trigger on uh, Future Man on Hulu. Oh, okay. How far did you get? Uh, we're almost done with season one. So like two or three okay. episodes left. Uh, season one is better than season two, in my opinion. Yeah, I get the feeling that they kind of start running out of ways to take it. Because uh, they, they, the whole first season they- seems about how to exhaust the whole idea of how do you do time travel wrong based on every time travel <laughs> movie you've ever seen. And so that's every episode is just, they always say, it's time travel 101. And then they break the rule that they're trying not to break. <laughs> it's like every episode. Uh, so the it's, guy, it's fun. The guy who plays Wolf in yes. that show, though, is yes. amazing. This that, He's my favorite character by far. And the whole season has become about watching Wolf's journey because it is so <laughs> ridiculous. And he's so He starts fun. out as basically a, just a video game space marine. Yeah. And by the end, he's like a celebrity chef yeah. and a Corey Hart fan and a bunch of other things. Yeah. He's just like, he's, he's very in touch with his inner being and follow your bliss kind of bullshit, but he's still a tough warrior. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, so it's fun. And he's, he's the reason that I'm still watching because everything he does in the show is just hilarious. And sometimes it's underplayed. Uh, but one of the recent episodes, they went back to 1985 and then he is having sort of an identity crisis. So he breaks off and goes AWOL and then winds up playing shirtless volleyball with a bunch of other yes. dude bros and they actually play the fucking Kenny Loggins song from Top Gun and they're doing the poses and all the shit. It's like, oh, they, this show knows exactly what to do. Um, yes. So it's, it's fun. Uh, but yeah, it, it's given me a good chuckle and I would recommend it based on Brian's recommendation as well. You know, speaking of the Logman, I did see he did a song for the Winnie the Pooh movie, so we do have another Logman. Oh, yes! To do. Yes! Yeah. That's awesome. That is not dead. Oh, and <laughs> okay. he's doing a song for the next Top Gun, so we'll, we'll oh. have to put that into the oh. uh, the, the Logman Chronicles. Yeah, I'm all for it. As, as yeah, in for, more yeah, stuff yeah. we will watch. Uh, let's yeah. put that in your pocket. Exactly. <laughs> sort of a theme. Yeah. The future we're, shit. We're going to take all of our Logman shows. We're going to put them on a box set and sell them at Best Buy. Yeah. It's the, the Mag Huger report. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got. I got Lizzo and uh, Future Man on the Hulus. All right. So I got two movies and two concerts for you this week. Okay. Two concerts. Um, You've been- yeah. Well, it, it's been like a week and a half, two weeks since we've recorded last. So I've done a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um... All right, I'll go with the concerts first. Um, went and saw The Fix uh, live. Nice. They played at the Musical Instrument Museum here in Arizona, which is a 300-seat theater. That's uh, a thing? Was, 
Yeah. In Arizona? Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> what? But we're not... No, we. I escaped. Not we. Yeah. You aren't really known for musical instruments, right? You're known for heat and sand and racism. Yeah. Why would there be a a, a, a musical instrument? Hey, you, racist, you, racists got about? drums too, baby. Yeah, really. You know. Why you gotta okay. be so down on the uh, races, Eric? God. All right. I guess tangentially. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, as you know, I'm I'm cracking out on '80s bands, preparing for the cruise in, in March, and I'm going and seeing all the ones that I can that aren't on the cruise. Are you about to tell me that? Are you about to tell me that one thing led to another? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Score. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, score. Yeah, that one in my back pocket. <laughs> yes. That was. That was. Uh, I got nothing. Um. What can I say about the fix? Other than Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. It just just hits you at the right moment, at the right speed, at the right angle, and then yeah. I go to pieces. Yeah. There you go. No. Um. Jay, so the fix is still intact. Like it's the same lineup as it's been since the '80s. Um, so this is one of the few '80s revival acts where there's not like a 20 year old sitting in there, you know, making it into a tribute act. It's like the actual band. Weird. Because um, Jamie you- West Orem is the guitarist, and he gets he has got such great tone. He is so good. Hadn't you uh, you just seen the alarm not too long ago? And that's yeah. just the one guy now, right? It's the one guy okay. and his wife and a couple other players. So yeah, it's not and, that. and that's the way a lot of these bands have been. But uh, but the fix is the fix. It's the fix is in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so they put on a fun show. It was good. If they're in town, you know, go see them. Didn't the uh, the, um, the lead singer used to be a haberdasher briefly? If I know my trivia. I think he was uh, a well-known one. He, he, was he? He became, yeah, he was actually like, like a premier hat maker. Okay. In- interestingly, two of the band members wore hats, but not him. <laughs> and you also <laughs> had recently seen Men Without Hats, so I'm sensing a theme of some sort. I'm grasping we're going straws. To see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other concert I went to was actually a pair of tribute acts. Um, so this was just a, a goofy show in, uh, Chandler at the Chandler Center for the Arts. The opening back band was called This Charming Band. It's a Smith's tribute act. <laughs> and well played. Um, what was great about this band, um, was it was kind of an accurate Smith's tribute act in that the guy who was doing Morrissey, um, he was acting just like... Morrissey like would when he's like act or uh, I can't tell uh, I don't know <laughs> he just he seemed like he wanted out of the band it was amazing <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like something we would have done. <laughs> sort of a meta-textual uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, tribute. Band. I hate but- everyone that I'm on stage making music yeah. with. <laughs> and yet he did a great Morrissey impression. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh. Um, and then the the headliner was a Depeche Mode tribute act called Strange Love. Oh, uh, you could do better and than that as a band name, though. 
Well, you could do better than that as a band name, but here's the thing, right? And I think that this applies to this charming band, too. So apparently, the guy who is the Martinel Gore person in Strange Love, uh, he runs a whole booking agency for tribute acts, and his, his agency is called Music Zirconia. Um, <laughs> nice. And, and their whole deal is like, this tribute act is a tribute act beyond just the music. Like, they are embodying the band. So this guy, being the Martinel Gore, not only is doing all of the Martinel Gore parts in the songs and singing those parts and playing the guitar, he's also the musical director. And um, and then the guy who is playing the, uh, the what's his name, Andy Fletcher role in the back, is like the accountant and doesn't play anything and just kind of sits back there. And the Martin L. Gore guy actually makes fun of him and says that he's on lead clap at one point. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember seeing Depeche Mode, and that guy was the guy who did the most kind of like hand waving. Yeah, come yeah, on, even he's on lead even clap. More than Dave Gahan, who you know was supposedly in charge of. The, the show and yeah the the tax attorney uh you know band member is like rock on dude yeah so this band has recently replaced their dave gahan and the guy they've got for dave gahan is the spitting image um they have they're playing actual like videos of depeche mode on the screen behind him and it might as well be the same guy. Like, you really can't tell it's not Dave Gahan up there. He's, <laughs> he's very good at it. Um, Dave Gahan dance. Yeah, oh, he does the Dave Gahan dance. Oh, he does man. it a little too much, actually, but yeah. <laughs> um, my only complaint is that they didn't use live drums, which, as I was saying, the Men Without Hats review, if you're going to be a synth band and you want to do a live show, get a real drummer on the stage. Alan Wilder knew this, but fake Alan Wilder did not. as as the guy as the guy put it during the curtain call except no other substitutes um anyway (laughs) all right switching gears i'm sorry really quickly before you do that uh there's a a a talking heads cover band we like to see out here called life during wartime um Uh we've seen them a few times and the 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 David Byrne of the band, the guy whose band it is, he's now the creative director where I work. We just hired. Oh, him. really? Nice. And they they were doing the intro at the uh, uh, the, the ecom team meeting, which is you know hundred or so people, and they're like, and apparently he does some music. He uh, does like a Talking Heads cover band in town, and I'm like, oh, 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 I know these guys. <laughs> Eric like, is asking himself, how did he get here? <laughs> this is not my beautiful job uh, yeah um, uh, and yeah like like i i afterwards i had to come up to him and go oh man we saw you like you know three four times you guys are awesome they they're, they're the ones who did um uh stop making sense like the whole album the whole the whole film basically soup to nuts they they did that and it was cool to see that live uh and he was like okay great thanks yeah and afterwards <laughs> i'm like oh shit what if there's two Talking Heads cover bands and I just complimented him on the work of some other band I'm into called <laughs> it, But It's the Same. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that would be so Eric Reed of me, yeah. you know, to to do that. But as it turns out, no, there there's only the one. I wouldn't and, feel bad. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want you to call him out though. He's he's an ordinary guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was afraid he was a psycho killer. Uh, I will okay. burn down this house. Okay. Stop it. <laughs> so, uh, so movies. Um, interesting time to be going to movies as frequently as I do because there's we're nothing. in August and there's just nothing. So I'm being forced into like more and more like serious movies or just the dregs. Um, or the serious so dregs. Yeah, so let's talk about a movie called Blinded by the Light. Is that the Springsteen? Yes. Oh, it looked horrible. So the the trailer for this movie just makes me hate it like a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I, I felt a little bit of bile and uh, stuff in my throat every time the commercial came on. So it made me think of Billy Elliot, like that British sort of hopeful, like my kid with a dream, and it's stupid. Well, more like uh, Billy Elliot. Like Billy Elliot meets, uh, like, uh, what, My my Laundrette? Whatever that one was. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this movie comes on the heels of that movie Yesterday, uh, yeah. which was like the, the guy who is the only one who remembers the Beatles song, um, which was good. And and like then there's this movie about a Pakistani guy in the 80s who's like way into Bruce Springsteen, like really way way into Bruce Springsteen. And I guess it's a true story. Like at the end, they actually have pictures of the real people. Um, but the the guy, the thing about it that's that's actually brilliant is it's this guy in the late 80s in this like shitty part of the UK. And he's Pakistani, and it's really uh, an allegory for today because we're talking about the National Front and them protesting about Pockies go home and Thatcher, and it's all very well framed to be like, uh, yeah, you know the the fascists in the streets that are being a pain in the ass that they were they were there in the eighties too. Everybody, uh, yeah. this has been going on. Um, and people tend to forget the racism that was around for the Reagan era. <laughs> and it was there. I'm sorry, kids. This is a, sh- this is a battle we've been fighting for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of always been there, but it, it's definitely resurgent lately. Um, it's revved up like a deuce. Another rumor in the night. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. So blinded by the light, it's mostly harmless. Um, the other movie I saw is called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Okay. I've heard, I've heard, <laughs> I have a coworker who saw this and she really liked it. Oh, okay. I, I, I do all those surveys. One of the surveys I got was asking me what I thought of this movie. And at first I was like, this sounds hilarious. I want to see it. And then I found out it wasn't a comedy and I went, oh, fuck you. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a modern day, like, uh, Huck Finn really um Shia LaBeouf is an asshole um who's guy who like huh oh yeah also he's in this movie you know um <laughs> oh well played actually I really like what he's yeah I I respect Shia LaBeouf as a as an actor actually do you know that one of his upcoming movies he's playing his own abusive father in a movie about Shia LaBeouf child actor I heard that yeah. that's coming soon but in this movie, he's he's this guy who like poaches other uh, crab fishermen's uh, crab from their cages in the swamps in the North Carolina, and 
he gets in a lot of trouble and like starts having to run away because like everybody in his town is coming to kick his ass. And he crosses paths with this this guy with Down syndrome who has no family who has been a ward of the state and they're just putting him up in a retirement community and he hates it. So the, the Down syndrome guy busts out and runs across Shia LaBeouf and he's like way into this old VHS tape he had of a wrestler called uh, the uh, Saltwater Redneck, who's played by Thomas Hayden Church. Um, and he wants to go find the Saltwater Redneck and learn how to be a wrestler. And mostly it's just about these two guys on the lam. Um, and yeah. it raises now, the... Go ahead. N- n- no, I'm just, I'm just saying, as, as to this should have been a comedy, I want, you to, I want you to play with that concept in your head for a second. A kid with Down syndrome wants to become a professional wrestler named the Peanut Butter Falcon. The Fairly Brothers present the Peanut Butter Falcon. Come on, that would be awesome! No, it sounds way more like a Trey Parker, Matt Stone jam. Yeah, either or. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, sorry, go Uh, ahead. I'm I'm trying not to make bad jokes at this point. Um, (laughs) Probably for the best. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, um, it's... (laughs) It's a good drama. It's fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's an interesting character study. There's a, you know, there's a there's a question of like, are you a good person in at one point in this movie? And you know, Shia LaBeouf's telling the the Down syndrome guy, I can tell you've got a good heart. But what's really clear at that moment is that Shia LaBeouf's character and we, the audience, know that Shia LaBeouf is not a good person and does not have a good heart. And there's nothing his character has done that's redeemable up to this point in the movie. So it ultimately becomes this guy's um, decision whether or not he's going to try to be a good person. Um, but it's, eh, it's well made. It's well acted. I, uh, I found the ending to be uh, upsetting, actually. But He kills you know, in, him? In the way the movie wants it to be upsetting. So it was good. He so- kills the Down Syndrome kid? Like in his sleep? He chokes him? So it, um, yeah, <laughs> he, he he suffocates him with peanut butter. Um, so basically, this is like a retelling of Steinbeck's of Mice and Men. That's what it sounds like to yeah. me. It has real of Mice and Men vibes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, that's what I was thinking. He was going to talk about the rabbits, George, and then he chokes yeah. him. The fucking Looney Tunes is now all I can think of now. I just want to hug him and pet him and call him George. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, so that that's the fresh shit. You can always tell when we've had some time off between shows because it's uh So I have fourteen things for the fresh shit. Yeah. And the, we're dripping with silly. Yeah, we are. Uh so in that uh realm, I thought that this week we could talk about John Candy. Why not? Uh the reason is well A uh, this this year is the 25th anniversary of his passing, which is kind of sad. Uh, so, Good but, Lord, really? Yeah, 25 years. You've been dead for 25 years? That's what passing means. Yeah. Uh, and the reason this came up is because I work with some uh, folks that are uh, younger than I. Uh, one of them is actually born in 93 and isn't really familiar with John Candy's work. So I found myself in the position of trying to explain the oeuvre of John Candy 
Uh, and then it struck me that he's been dead for 25 years. That means there's a whole generation of people that probably don't have any yeah. idea who he is. And that blew yeah, my he, mind. He's our fatty Arbuckle. It's like <laughs> he's famous enough to be known, but most of these people haven't seen him in anything. I'm yeah. not even sure if these people know Chris Farley, let alone John Candy. Well, yeah. Yeah, but that's forgivable. <laughs> John Chris Belushi. Farley had, had like, what, two movies and then he you know choked on his vomit? Yeah. Whereas uh, Candy has a really remarkable legacy. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. But, but if you look at it, and this is sort of where I want to jump off, uh, is that he was a very strong supporting player, character actor. And when he's doing that, uh, for the most part, he elevates whatever movie he's in because of his presence. Yeah. But when, yeah. You, when you put Agreed. him in, into a starring role, his track record is not great i was i was looking at his imdb page and i'm like really he was in that movie yeah he was in that movie exactly and exactly and there weren't as many starring roles as i was expecting no he he only had a, a couple of actual lead roles like most people say planes trains and automobiles um, it was harry crumb that was i think what killed yeah. it and delirious that one's awful uh and then wagons east was the one he had the heart attack on uh, i think he's got one starring role that's good but we, we can get to that. Yeah. So um, he's got a, a remarkable career and he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, but when I went back and looked at his like work, uh, a lot of it is sort of mediocre as a whole. Like not his performances per se, but just the stuff he's in. And so it started so, making so he's like me th- Eugene Levy. Oh wait, yeah, he's in those movie- same movies. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's leads you to one because uh, another friend of mine at work is like, "Well, you're talking about John Candy, so of course you're going to talk about Armed and Dangerous." I'm like, I have no idea what the hell that is. So I found and I watched it. That's a movie that he and Eugene Levy did in like 1987 from the director of Commando. And they play security guards who get wound up in some mob thing. And it's like rips off police Academy and animal house. And it's one of Meg Ryan's first roles. And like, the more I watched it, I'm like, this is the weirdest fucking movie I have ever seen this week. Cause it's just so bizarre <laughs> and it's not funny at all from start to finish. <laughs> and that got me to think is like, how many times has John Candy really been funny? It's like a conundrum. Cause he's known for funny and he makes me laugh but not in everything. And so that's kind of how I wanted to approach this. So I concede the floor uh, to anyone who's willing to bring up uh, good or bad. I mean, I, I think, I think your, your, your premise is um, right. That he, he's, he's like hamburger helper. He, he elevates what's already there. Okay. And I think that's why he didn't have any good starring vehicles. Cause nobody knew what to do with him. And I, uh, I okay. can't think of I can't think of how John Candy's thing would work on its own. He needs to you know be he needs to do his thing and then get out of the way. Yeah. So I don't even know who he was in the Blues Brothers, but apparently he was in the Blues Brothers. He was the <laughs> cop. He yeah, was like, he, he was the plainclothes cop who wanted to uh, hear the band play before they arrested yeah. him. He's the one, it's the, like, one of the strongest, most referenced scene in the whole movie. It's when they're sitting there and he's with the two state troopers. And he's like, who likes an orange? uh, What car number are we? (laughs) Five, five. Oh. Car 55. Uh, We're in a truck. (laughs) Yeah, okay. But when they're at the show, he's like, "Uh, you guys like orange whips? Who wants an orange whip? 
Orange whip, orange whip, three, three orange, orange whips. whips. And the funny thing about that is that uh, I guess the guy that ran the craft services or something for that movie represented Orange Whip or the company that made them and just told John Lannis about it. And John Lannis just mentioned it to John Candy. And then that was a total ad lib. And it's one of the funniest bits in the whole show because it's like, where did the, what is he talking about? And that's like the one thing that everybody references now from that movie. So this is, I guess this is a good example of the shtick that we see him do a lot, which is he's sort of jolly yet pathetic, but he's good with that. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, like if you start him out in his career, uh, he's known for, uh, what, Ox in Stripes, who was sort of just the jovial big lug uh, yeah. army guy. jolly pathetic. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then he's in... Uh, what he's in Splash as Tom Hanks's uh, schlubby brother, I th- which I th- I would have said is his strongest performance. Yeah, you said to come prepared to think of what we think is his best, okay. his worst, and his funniest. Yeah, I think that's his best. Okay, I would agree. I think my for me it's because I like when he gets really bizarre. Uh, my strong performance is actually the follow up to Splash when he and Tom Hanks did Volunteers, which is a Nicholas Meyer movie, and it's not a great comedy. But John Candy in that film as Tom Tuttle from Tacoma is just ridiculous <laughs> because he's just this straight-laced uh, Peace Corps guy who wounds up getting abducted by the communist Chinese and brainwashed. And so within a matter of like five minutes, he's spouting everything Maoism. <laughs> and it's just, he's like this diehard commie. It's so stupid. Uh, Tom Tuttle from Tacoma. You will be brainwashed. Me, America's son. That will be a challenge. You bet. Our enemies are all those in league with imperialism. The bureaucrats, the big landlord class, and the reactionary section of the intelligentsia attached to them. Very good, Tom. You quote the chairman well. Our enemies are all around us. We must always be on our guard. Sure, we'll lose a lot of snooze time, but that's okay. We'll catch up after the revolution's over. That's enough, Tom. The leading force behind our revolution is the industrial proletariat. Our closest friends are the entire semi-proletariat and the petty bourgeoisie. That's enough, Tom. But there's so much more. I said that's enough. I'm looking forward to finding the drops on this because I haven't seen Volunteers. And okay. that actually sounds hilarious. It's uh, um, it's uneven, but yeah, it's fun. Uh, so yeah. But yeah, Splash, I would agree with you, Eric, is uh, really the only real reason to watch that movie anymore is yeah. because he's just so ridiculous in it because he just he's, he, he into por- pornography and smut and the whole thing yeah and and then he at one point uh tom hanks is bemoaning his fate to have you know found love with a mermaid and john candy gets wicked serious for like 30 seconds and i remember thinking wow that is a great turn <laughs> good look at what you got people fall in love every day huh is that what you said yeah yeah? Well, that's a crock. It doesn't work that way. Look, do you realize how happy you were with her? That is, of course, when you weren't driving yourself crazy. Every day. Come on. Some people will never be that happy. I'll never be that happy. I mean, you know, to and, and the thing is, it's completely believable. The way he, he plays it, what's written for him is so strong and so desperately sad yeah <laughs> it just makes perfect sense well and it's I'll a, find the drop and, and it's a total encapsulation of uh most of his roles like when he shows up in vacation as the wally world security guard i mean it's just mm. it's ultimately uh 
happy and fun yet so goddamn sad it's like what did you do in your life to wind up guarding wally world while it's under renovation <laughs> i mean it's just and you just look at him and he's got that like sad sack vibe but at the same time you want to just give him a hug and it's just yeah. and like every movie he's ever done that's how i feel it's like jolly how, and pathetic yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. how did he how did he pull it off so yeah <laughs> so he doesn't really get I mean, I I forgot about volunteers, but he doesn't really get a big role until '87, uh, where he's got kind of a one-two punch with Spaceballs and planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, I I thought he was bigger earlier, but I'm looking at his IMDb page, and I'm like, no, it's no, kind of '87. We're kind of overlooking the the SCTV thing, which well, we can, and we can roll major. into it, yeah, and we can roll Go into ahead. it. Let's uh, do that. But yeah, that's that was pretty much the uh, the start of everything. Uh, but and it's I'm thanks for bringing it up because uh, I went back to review and most of the shit that's in there I honestly don't remember him from SCTV. Uh, I think I I started and stopped with Rick Moranis uh, and uh, Dave Thomas doing right. the Kenzie Brothers. I mean that was the big thing for me when I was a kid watching that. But I went back yeah, and watched some and damn they are. His big, his big running uh, character, I think, was Bobby LaRue. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I, that was... But but I, the thing I remember best, the, the, <laughs> the fucking funniest, was uh, Yellow Belly, the biggest coward in the West. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, I'll get, I'll pull it. It won't make sense, though, it, in audio. But basically, it's just a guy, and some kid says, Hey, look, Mom, that's Yellow Belly. He's a coward. So he shoots him. He's the biggest coward in the West. He's Yellow Belly. And then the mom starts screaming, so he shoots her, and then he runs away. I'm like, that is so fucking (laughs) evil. Well, I, I found one, too. It was a, like, Leave it to Beaver 25th anniversary special. Uh, and I totally forgot that one. But basically, John Candy plays Beaver as a grown-up. Uh, and they're living at home. And then the whole thing winds up that, uh, <laughs> that Wally's living there, too, because he's divorced. And then uh, who was the annoying kid? Uh, Beaver? Uh, Eddie no, Haskell. Eddie Haskell, yeah. Played okay, by Dave yeah. Thomas comes over and starts giving him some shit. And then they cut to Beaver outside with Whitey, played by Harold Ramis. And he's complaining to Harold Ramis about what a dick, a dick Eddie Haskell is. And then Harold Ramis just goes, I think you should just shoot him. And then, and then that t- takes the turn from there. And I'm like, I do not remember this being so goddamn bleak. Uh, but Candy just plays it straight. He's just like, oh, okay, Wally. You know, and it's and he committed and and he doesn't break. And Flaherty's like a, their father and he's just drunk falling down on the kitchen floor the whole time. It's like, how does he keep a straight face? It's amazing. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, anyway, in 87... <laughs> it's a good segue. <laughs> John Hughes runs out of Molly Ringwald ideas and starts writing John Candy movies, and that's where we start with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. Um, which, and it's weird, because he's the, he's the straight man in this movie, which uh, I didn't dawn on me until recently when i watched it again and i'm like john candy's not really funny in this thing he's just another sad 
uh, sounding board for Steve Martin's ridiculously uptight ad man. Uh, so Steve Martin gets all the good comic bits, and John Candy sort of just massages the whole thing through and is sort of the conscience. It's weird. Now that I think about it, isn't Planes, Trains, and Automobiles just a, a rewrite of Vacation? Well, yeah. It, uh, John Hughes had like two movies that he did. He did the teen comedies, all of 16 Candles, and then he did the road movies. All a yeah, vacation. and the guy losing his shit, right? Yeah, just yeah. Steve Martin in this case. Yeah, I guess I always thought Steve Martin was the straight guy, but now that you think of it, he's only the straight guy if you're an asshole. Yeah, because he's the straight guy, <laughs> and and then there's that horrible asshole that he's saddled with. Oh, boo hoo! Look at him. Yeah. I need to get away from this retard. But no, if you're actually not a jerk, then. Steve Martin's acting like an asshole the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a definitely a strong performance. Uh, but that was a good year for him. Yeah, I mean, that was the year with Spaceballs where he was the Chewbacca character, uh, Barf. Barf. Uh, um, so, have you watched Spaceballs recently? Actually, yeah, not too long ago. Did it hold up for you? It was never my favorite to begin yeah. with. It's tough, right? It's tough. And again, and that's again, it's like he's good in it, but at the same time, it's just ah, something is missing here on the overall. Uh, I never liked it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I know I always, I, I always drew the ire of everyone in the room who was like, how do you know like that? But it's like, because Mel Brooks was really funny in his day and then it stopped. Yeah. I mean, it's got moments, but it's not solid. That was definitely yeah. towards the, uh, the lesser of the mill. Yeah, so. I think we were all waiting for Blazing Saddles again. <laughs> that lightning only strikes yeah. once. Uh, but I think 87 or 88, that was when Armed and Dangerous came out. And I implore you, uh, do not watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do. That was a cable staple. I've seen it like 20 or 30 times. I think that's where uh, my my workmate had caught it. And uh, it pretty much the, the high water comic moment is when... Uh, he and Eugene Levy have to escape from whatever crooked cops are chasing them and to kill them, and they're in some sort of porn shop. And so they dress up as the patrons. So Eugene Levy's wearing like assless leather biker chaps, and John Candy is dressed like a woman in like a fucking yeah. <laughs> like drag, and it's supposed to be laughable, and it's just not. So. Isn't Meg Ryan in that? Yeah. Yeah. So then John Hughes still doesn't have an idea for Molly Ringwald, and somehow we get The Great Outdoors Oh, with Dan Aykroyd and John Henry. Yeah, and he and Aykroyd go back to SCTV days, or at least Second City. Second City, yeah. Because John Candy's first breakout role was in Spielberg's 1941, and Candy and Aykroyd were a couple of the army dudes. Uh, And then... I'm a bug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the sidebar, uh, I guess John Candy had been at one time originally considered for the role uh, that Rick Moranis played in Ghostbusters. And he was going to play the accountant as some sort of like weird German with a couple of fierce dogs. And they didn't (laughs) like the suggestions for the character. So he couldn't, he didn't end up doing it. And then Rick Moranis did it. And uh, the rest is history. Sidebar. (laughs) Good choice. Good choice. Rick Moranis was funny. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Really funny. funny. Really yeah. funny. Yeah. Made me laugh. They were also good. in uh, Little Shop of Horrors together. I uh, just want to say that. 
Wait, was John Candy in Little Shop? He has like a five-minute role. He's the radio disc jockey who keeps going, It's so weird! Oh, yeah. I got a little bit of a stiff neck. Let me just fix this up. Ooh, that feels a lot better. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. What are you doing here? What? You Please, lady, don't. Put your clothes back on. It's Wink. Well, you can't do this to me. What if your husband were to walk in? I'm right here, Wink. I'm sorry. I love your show, but I've got to kill you both with this machine gun. You got me! Oh, 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 I feel, I feel so very weak. <laughs> God, I love Little Shop. I need to watch that again. <laughs> Little uh, Shop is the best. Again, and Steve Martin is the best part in that whole fucking movie. Apart from Bill Murray, who is the best part in that whole movie. But that's a no, Rick Moranis is the best part in that movie. Uh, followed followed by Audrey. Uh, uh, what's her name? Ellen Green? Is that her name? Agree to disagree, sir. Agree to disagree. Oh. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, but yeah, great outdoors though. Did we go see that in the Dollar Theater? I have not Might seen have. it. Oh, I realized I, I didn't want to see it all the way and through, and didn't. I feel like it would have been a Dollar Theater viewing. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. Do you, is there anything memorable about it besides the raccoons? Um, painting himself in a corner. I remember them painting themselves him, you know, she, she's painting the deck of the boat and then she's stuck because she painted herself in the corner and John Candy pops out of the little like deck hole. And he's like, Hey, did you paint yourself in a corner? She says, yeah. I said, yeah, I did the same down here. <laughs> and that was like the funniest part to me. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, not much okay. going on No, But yeah, do you, do you buy his chemistry with Ackroyd though? Because they've done a bunch of movies together, and none of them are any good except I don't Blue's really buy brother. Dan Aykroyd as anything. No, I mean Dan Aykroyd is singularly useless. He he got he, he, he um, uh, Belushi had to basically drag him through everything they did, which is evident after so, Belushi dies. Yeah, speaking yeah. of how much Dan Aykroyd sucks and men dressed as women, I'm gonna <laughs> skip a bit and let's just get o- get over <laughs> with yeah. it. Nothing uh, but no. trouble. Yeah, nothing the five hundred pound gorilla. Nothing but trouble. Oh my god. Uh, this may be the worst movie ever made. This yeah. is a fucking but, terrible movie. But since we're talking about John Candy, I think this movie is a, a great example of how deep friendship can go. That he <laughs> would true. make such a shit, shit, shit movie that no one in their right minds should have anything to do with, but he's yeah. like, okay, and you need me to play a, a woman in cross-dress. Uh, okay. okay, and you need me to okay, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, but, multiple parts. Sounds hilarious, Dan. Yeah, Sounds but do you hilarious. think Candy was like reading the script going, okay, I gotta do this in drag, and it's pathetic, but at least I don't have to wear a fake penis on my nose, like yeah, Dan Aykroyd. I think he was he was reading it after he agreed to do it, and there was a lot of deep sighing. <laughs> like if he so, <sighs> oh yeah, nothing but trouble is a movie written by Dan Aykroyd. I think he might have directed it. He, yeah, he directed, directed it. Yeah, his written and directed debut and his directorial exunt. Yeah, at, starring <laughs> Chevy Chase and Demi Moore and Dan Aykroyd and John Candy, and what a poster that makes. Yeah, it's um, it's frightening. And the movie. 
is is like anti-movie. Like you sit there and you're trying to watch it, and every cell in your body starts screaming and saying, "I need to leave this room now. Yeah. I, I I need to yeah. go." Well, it's like Akron going, going. I wish there had been trouble, but no, there was literally nothing. No, nothing. There was nothing. Nothing. Well, it's literally uh, like Akron going to Warner Brothers and saying, "Hey, give me forty million dollars. I want to make a comedy version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre." They said, "We're in." And then the rest is history. With the digital underground. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just showed up for no reason. It's like, what in the hell is yeah. going on? You can you uh, can hear actually the whole, the, everything about this movie on uh, how did this get made? Because they, they went through it and I'm like, yeah, yeah they covered yeah. everything I, properly. I dare you to try and watch this movie, audience. Yeah. I dare you. For, I dare well, you. For, so for bad. years and years and years, uh, this had the distinction of being one of the only two films that I have ever walked out on in the theater. <laughs> and that was back when uh, a bunch of you all worked in theaters, and so we could get in for free. We had free movies yeah, we, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. So it, would the, you have stayed if you had paid for it? Oh with, fuck no! With, like I paid for my money, and I'm going to see all the movie. I probably would have stayed longer, but yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm telling you, I paid my money, and I'm going to see all the movie, and it's going to be good. I'm telling you, people, it's going to be real good because I paid my money. I paid my money. Bring it on. So for years I had not finished it, uh, and then I for this I actually went back and sat through all ninety minutes of Drek uh, and regret oh, every did moment. You, of you it. went and watched nothing but trouble for this podcast. I did because I wanted to complete it. Hey, wow. what the fuck is wrong with you? Why? I also watched. I watched Armed and Dangerous. I thought, how much worse could it I'm, get? And I'm not sh- I'm not sure how you do that. I mean, knowing that's like somebody punches you in the face. You go, oh, I don't like that. Somebody says, oh, you remember how I punched you in the face? I'm going to punch you in the face again. You go, okay. I I look at it more as like a bucket list thing. Because now the only movie that I've ever walked out on in the theater is Sylvester Stallone in Oscar. <laughs> Which so is another I, Chris, did you buy the chair from Clockwork Orange? Do you, like, do you have that chair and you just uh, use it? No, but I do drink a lot of the 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 milk. What what the <laughs> shit, man? Yeah. Well, oh, whatever, man. Whatever. You've oh, sat through Hobbs like and to, Shaw. I'd like to I'd like to I guess compliment you for your dedication to your art, but dude, that's it's it's like a really bad movie, not even like a joke bad movie. It's the fucking worst well, but it's, film but it's, ever. But it's also sometimes you gotta watch the absolute worst of the worst to understand Twice? how not to make Twice. it. Well, I honestly I didn't remember any of it. I gotta be honest. It was like watching it for the first time. And I didn't walk out this time. Oh, did, did time dilate and go much slower than it should? While it you're really, watching it it's like, yeah, because it's because it's a 90 minute movie and it literally felt like I sat there for three hours. <laughs> yes. As you approached the event horizon, did everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's because oh, wow. uh, everybody in that movie looks like they're sleepwalking through their performance. Even Taylor Negron. Uh, has a role in it, and he's the. You don't need. He always copy. looks like he's sleepwalking yeah. that, through every. The one that's thing, a actually, stick. now that you re- mention it, I do remember watching this and and watching Demi Moore and thinking she was thinking, "I can survive this. I can survive this. Well, I can survive the, this." And, and she that's couldn't. The th- and it's it, that was the first thing she made after Ghost. That's yes. astonishing to me. Well, it's like no, how- that's the other thing. It got like made like two years before, and they kept pushing it back because it was fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't release it until Ghost came out, and they said, "Oh, this has got some momentum. Yeah. We can maybe let's, make let's a couple bucks this. back." 
Well, and then the other weird part too is because Digital Underground's on it, but the song they sing is actually written by Tupac Shakur, who was apparently in Digital Underground at the time. That blew my mind. That was worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> you say video. what you will. <laughs> you can watch the video. It's got Dan Aykroyd with his dick nose and <laughs> clips from the movie, and yeah. that's all you need. Oh, Jesus, Chris. Why? Came for the party to get naughty, get my rocks on, eat popcorn, watch you move your body till the pops on that I'm singing, ding a lingin', funky beats ringing, everybody swinging in the place as I kick the J's, easy watch style, R&B, mixing it with the hip hop, swing beat, champagne in my hand, it won't be long till I'm gone. It's just the same old song. So yeah, so so nothing but trouble is a it's a very good indicator yep. of the downward slide of the end of candy's career because apart from like only the lonely there's not a, a anything good uh that i can so, recommend i'm gonna i'm gonna say something that you won't agree with my favorite john candy movie starring vehicle was uncle buck i like uncle buck i think it's strong yeah hey all right i'm i'm not the pariah i think <laughs> it, it might be his best starring role yeah, and it's not the agree. lovable loser like no. it's Uncle Buck is is a is an asshole and he's great at it. Yeah, I it's, I do I do think like I I, I think our, our our old longtime friend Scott Gimple was absolutely correct when he said in uh, Home Alone, you know the the part John Candy shows up in. Yeah, if he had been the character of Uncle Buck in that moment, uh, I would have gone back and paid twice. That would have been a great time <laughs> to do some world building and yeah. have, you know. Who, who I, I was he in Home Alone? I don't have. He was the, he okay, was the Polka Catherine Band O'Hara guy. O'Hara takes the, uh, hitchhikes basically her way back home from the airport because she doesn't have a ride. And she hitches a ride with this bowling team and tells John Candy about how she abandoned her kid accidentally. And I thought they were he a, tells her it's going to be okay. I thought they were a traveling Polka Band. Were they? I yeah. remember something about bowling. No, they're a polka band. Yeah, okay. Uncle Buck was, was a more Uncle Buck, but yeah. oh man, you're right. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, this I tell is you why that- Gimple has a career and we don't because he's yeah. smart and he thinks of good stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, goddamn him. But I think uh, uh, the what's the first thing you think of? What scene in Uncle Buck when you think Uncle Buck? I'm uh, uh, I'm his melanoma. Yeah, exactly. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. Not her wart. I'm I'm the wart. She's my tumor, my my growth, my uh, my pimple. I'm Uncle Wart, just old Buck Wart Russell. That's what they call me. Or uh, melanoma head. They'll call me that. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the first scene I always think of. Here's He's a talking to the principal of the school who has like a gargantuan growth on her face, yeah. and he can't stop. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And here's a quarter. Why don't you go downtown and have a rat, rat malt, gnaw, gnaw that, that thing, thing off, off your face? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of comedy. Yeah, that was yeah. that was. I think the height that was his yeah. best. I think that was a high water mark, uh, definitely. And then later, a couple years, he did only the lonely, uh, which is good. Uh, he's doing like a rom com leading man thing, uh, and it, he, it that film got slammed, and I didn't think it deserved it. No. I thought it was sweet. I thought I, I you know, it, it was just, it was you know maybe a little too Chris Columbus. I think is the problem yeah, exactly. And that's anytime I think of it, I'm like, well, do I want to watch this again? I'm like, no, because uh, Chris Columbus just really gets under my skin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's a tough one. But I mean, it's you know John Candy, 
Ali Sheedy, Maureen O'Hara, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a good, sweet rom-com, but got a working class sort of feel to it. Uh, and he's really good in it. Uh, yeah. And then he goes and does uh, like Delirious and Wagons East. And then that's it. So. And, and I'd, I'd say the, 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 the worst use of John Candy, in my opinion, was JFK. I didn't need that. I, I thought JFK, everyone was in JFK when JFK came out. And it's like everybody wanted a bit part. And so he has like 30 seconds of, you know, sort of a jive hipster jazz guy. Yeah. And I'm like, why, why did you need John Candy for that? Oliver Stone. Why not? Why not? You're a star fucker, Oliver Stone. That's all you are. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, speaking of working stiffs, did, we forgot uh, Summer Rental. Have you seen this one? Do you remember that at all? I, I still have forgotten it. What the hell is that? That's one he that made with Carl Reiner in like 85. That might be the one I'm thinking of with the painting in the corner. I think it is. Actually, I think it is. Now that you mention it. Because he's, he's an air traffic controller who's so stressed out. Because back in the early mid-80s, that was like the go-to job for your movie character. to Before postal carriers started <laughs> yeah. killing people. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he's forced to go on vacation with his family. And so they go down to Florida. And then it's just like half road movie where everything goes wrong kind of a thing. Uh, I think Captain Ron stole a lot of its moves later on. Uh, oh, but Captain Ron. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, Fucking brilliant, Captain Ron. But uh, it's it's another sort of forgettable-ish kind of movie. Uh, but it was his first big starring role. Uh, and I think af- right around that same time, he had also done Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor, which is also kind of forgettable. Okay, so so let's kind of like wrap this up here and, and, and come up with a thesis, because it seems to me like what we're saying is, we really like this guy. We just don't like almost all of the movies he was in. Exactly. <laughs> like, like he's strongest when he's got about 10, 15 minutes of screen time to work with. Uh, unless you put him in something like Uncle Buck or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's like it if basically he's, anytime they had feel good comedies that m- meant means there was no comedy. Somebody said, "Well, let's hire John Candy and put him in there, and he'll 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 pick this yeah. this this nothing up." Exactly. Yeah. But by all accounts, he was the sweetest man. Everybody loved him. I mean, it's just uh, I don't think I read anything where anybody had anything bad to say about him. Like I, th- I think he, I can't remember what movie it was. I read he was doing maybe it was only the lonely, but he put it into his contract that he had to have like this, uh, like full bar and buffet in his trailer, and the producers were like, "What an asshole!" But it turns out that he would just do that so he could bring everybody on set into his trailer so they could get a good meal and hang out. So he didn't want any of it for himself. He just gave it over to them, but that was in his writer. Like hmm. who, who the fuck are you, bro? It's like you're you're just too nice, too nice. Canadian, uh, yeah. Well, that's true. Canadians are nice people. Yeah. It, so it's just, apparently they make a really really dark comedy sketch show. But <laughs> yes, it's so dark. Like, they got to do something with it. They're not going to be evil to people in you know in front of their faces. So yeah. it's not just SCTV. The kids in the hall were pretty dark. I mean, what Canada's got some shit to work out through comedy, apparently. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't be America's hat without having a few problems. I think that's the tagline for this show. uh, Canada's got some shit to work out in comedy. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, so uh, we've we've done strongest performance, Uncle Buck. We're all in agreement there, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, 
let's do uh, weakest yeah, performance. Yeah, let's, let's let's talk about something else that sucks. Let's yeah. let's keep the show going <laughs> and let's bring it like way down. Well, let's we want to we want to just balance it out. So we've got the high. What's the low? Is there? I already a low? said JFK. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't realize it was even half of this shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the say whole JFK, point. Yeah, dude, you've just, just JFK. Yeah, you've sure, just, you just proven yeah, our thesis. Point point was you've just proven our thesis. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say Armed and Dangerous, but only because you two haven't seen it. So, <laughs> I've seen it. I've oh. seen it several times. Then uh, nothing but trouble. Oh God damn it! Yeah, uh, I've sure. seen it half uh, the time. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah I got nothing. I'm gonna say go. I'm gonna say JFK as well. So we're uh, <laughs> we're two for two. All right, if you, if you think that a different movie was John Candy's worst performance, you can tell us about it. Uh, tell them. First, you gotta, first you got to share the podcast on your social feeds, and then you got to rate the podcast on iTunes or, or Stitcher, wherever you're listening. And then you got to go to our website, maghuge.com. you got to do all this stuff before you can tell us any of this, or we're not going to listen to you. You go to maghuge.com, you got to listen to a bunch of old episodes of the show, okay? And then after you've done all of that... Then find the link to our Twitter feed. We're at MagHuge, and you can go there and you can tell us that actually, no, Canadian Bacon was was the worst John Candy movie. Or or find us on Facebook, we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast, and and tell us how shit uh, Cool Runnings was. Um, or all these movies that we forgot. Go, go to Damn Instagram. It. Right, and talk about all his voice work in the Rescuers Down Under and, and heavy metal, and, and heavy tell metal? us that it was I terrible. About heavy metal, uh, yeah. or uh, or I, I don't know. Don't forget uh, Camp Candy, his uh, short-lived uh, NBC cartoon show. Yeah, or or is 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 probably his worst role is the voice work in in the Bobcat Goldthwait uh, Mr. Ed wannabe hot to trot. You can tell us about that. Oh, on, good lord! And an email, a lengthy email a that you send cut. to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. You do that, and and if you do that, and you've gone through all of that, we're going to have to respect it enough to say something on another show. So do that. And, yeah. And remember, but, uh, Canada has got some shit to work out with comedy. <laughs> Take <laughs> off, eh? <laughs> <laughs>